in the third in the third round. David, I, I was imp- I, I'm impressed by Sinessa Strada. It's not a lie. I like the way she fights. I think she has a very interesting style. I think her amateur pedigree is great. She has a lot of experience. Um, mm-hmm. She's knocking people out. She's knocked out Vizcaino, who had never been knocked out before. But um, granted, she had never fought outside of Ecuador or South America before. And in her last fight in May, she knocked out uh, Adorno, who had never, been, who had, hadn't been knocked out either, the Puerto Rican, although she had fought way up over her her uh, weight class, Adorno had. She had gone up to Bantamweight and even higher when she fought Noemi Bosques and those type of fighters and still didn't get knocked out even though she lost. But I, but what this this what what was this Friday, uh, well we, well that Friday on July twelfth, I mean I seen that already I seen that Sinesa Estrada I seen that that aggressive fast uh, co- combo throwing Sinesa Estrada and this is not a knock on Sinesa Estrada because she could only fight who Golden Boy puts in front of her but I think this fight was just a waste of time for me for you for her. For everybody involved, it was a waste of time as far as her career is involved because it didn't really do anything at all. And on top of that, I don't know if you were listening to the commentary uh, by Bernardo Osuna, who I think does a great job on ESPN. But the, the trip that this young lady had to take from Ecuador to make it to this fight, she was on the road for three and a half days. She, she had to take a, yeah, two, I mean, I, 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 I don't know if I, I shared it on the show, but this last April I went to Peru. I flew down to to South America, and on my on the on my trip down there, I flew to uh, Buenos Aires, Argentina, and it was it took me about 24 hours with layovers and with flights. Now that was only one day. Now imagine two and a half days or three and a half days to make it from Ecuador to LA. She had to stop in Florida, and her trainer wasn't with her, so she had to work with a completely new corner. On uh, on on that Friday, July twelfth. I mean, I think that we need to see Sinesa Estrada against way better opposition. Um, she's beaten this kind of fighter before, like you say, David. You have stressed this fact over and over on this show on on forty nine episodes that we had this show. Is that it's time for the best to fight the best, and Estrada is one of the best. She needs to fight the best in her division, and, and I think it's and, and this type of fight. It just doesn't make any sense. Yeah, her her skill set is just too good for for uh, anybody who's not uh, top twenty at least. Um, she knows what she's doing. She's gonna run right through people like toilet paper. She's just um, she's very skilled, very fast, and now she's knocking girls out. Now, yeah, I I think what's going on is that they're waiting for the other fighter, Marlon Esparza. Yeah. But I think that I think you can step it up a little bit, uh, a little bit more. Yeah, I could tell, I could, I could agree, and I would, I would go with the fact that maybe you know you don't want to put her against anybody too tough because you don't want to ruin that other fight with Marlene Esparza. But you know, in my, even though Vizcaino seemed like she could do some things inside the in in the ring, but just that whole the whole situation about traveling for three and a half days and working with a completely different corner, it just wasn't, it wasn't her in there. And to me, she was just a couple of, of rungs above uh, Rachel Zazoff, who was the uh, pro debut opponent for Marlene Esparza, who had nothing. She has no business being inside of the ring. This fighter, Vizcaino, was a couple of rungs above her. And at 13 and 0 with, you know, more than half her life inside a boxing ring for Sinesa Estrada, there's no point in fighting fighters like that. Yeah, yeah, that's understandable. Now, on the other fight of that night, Maricela Cornejo stopped Samantha Pill, who was undefeated in the third round of Schedule 6, at a little bit above 160 pounds. And, yeah. and, and, and Samantha Pill didn't look all that skilled either, but I understand that fight more because Cornejo started fighting when she was, how old was she? When she was like 20-something years old, she stepped into a boxing yeah. ring for the first time. So you can still see the development in Maricela Cornejo. So this type of fight against a 5-0 and fighter, even though she's like 11-2 and or 12-2, and makes more sense because you're still developing Marcela's style. 
She's still trying to figure things out inside the ring. And you can see that in that fight. And, and it went her way. I think she's developing that right hand into a, quite a weapon. But there's still some flaws there. But but out of the last three or four, maybe even five appearances that we've seen Cornejo do, where she has fought in Cancun, she fought in L.A. against a blown-up welterweight and Lisa Garland and a couple other fights that we've seen there, I think this is one of her better performances. And the fighter that she fought... She wasn't all that skillful, but she knew what she was doing in there, and she was undefeated, so she wanted to win. What did you think of that fight? Uh, I was very impressed with Maricela. Um, I think that uh, people forget that she fought Kelly Reese, and mm-hmm. they fought for the title already. And this was, what, almost a couple of years ago? Yeah, and in so, New Zealand, right? When you think about it, she's improved a lot since that fight. And she went the distance with Kelly Reese. It was a mm-hmm. close fight. It wasn't even a, a one-sided fight. So that kind of tells me that Maricela is actually a very good athlete. And the more she learns, the be- uh, the more dangerous she's going to be. Yeah, I agree. I see. I mean, we've seen some off nights for her. And, and they've been like in Cancun uh, and on TV, like on Mexican TV. But I also think that she is improving and she's developing. And I think that we saw that in that fight. I was really impressed with that right hand that she was landing and she was landing it with power. And one thing that she has told us when she's been on the show here with us before is that that power is what got her into boxing. She came down from watch yeah. from, from the Northwest to seek mm-hmm. a different type of profession in Los Angeles. She was looking to be a model or an actress or something of that sort. She mm-hmm. went into a boxing gym to lose a little bit of weight. And they told her, hey, you really know what you, you could learn in this sport? I think you could have a future in the sport if you dedicate yourself to it. And you hit pretty hard. And uh, and that's what kept her yeah. going. And, and we're starting to see a little bit more of that power. You know, now how she measures up against a lot more technical fighters like a, like a Christina Hammer or a um, – or a uh, Clarissa Shields, obviously, or a Raquel Miller, or a, uh, uh, what's this young lady, Anna Gabriels, who knows, you know, but the power is that great equalizer, and if she can land a good punch, maybe she doesn't need all that skill and all that ability like these other women. What do you think? I absolutely agree with you. Like I say, Kelly Reese extended uh, Cecilia Brakus, knocked her down, gave her a hard time, made the fight very close, and Maricela had a had a toe-to-toe battle with her for 10 rounds. So it tells me that she actually has natural ability. Yeah, I agree. So let's see what what they do with her. Um she's been she's been uh with uh with the whole the Diaz brothers for quite some time. It seems like she's there to stay after kind of jumping around a little bit, different trainers. So she seems she's happy there. She sees to be developing there. So let's see what's next for Ms. Maricela Cornejo now that she's with um, Golden Boy Promotions. This is her second and third fight with them. So I liked her um, her performance on July 12th. Let's see what's, uh, what's next with, with her. Moving on to Friday, July 20th, we will have a fight result, but just an announcement that 2012 Olympic bronze medalist Marlene Esparza was scheduled to fight down in Cancun, Mexico against Venezuelan Deborah Rengifo in a scheduled eight-rounder, but that fight was canceled. No reason was given. It just didn't happen. I was actually looking for it because that fight card was broadcast from uh, from Cancun by ESPN. Uh, I think the main event was uh, Lamont Roach, but uh, Esparza just – I don't even know if they mentioned it during the broadcast. Did you did you watch the broadcast, uh, David? Did you catch even if they even mentioned Esparza on there? No, no, I was at a fight card. I couldn't watch it. Okay. Well, that didn't happen there. So let's see what happens with the Sparta. They haven't announced anything. I mean, I can imagine. There's some there's some Golden Boy cards coming up in the next couple of months, obviously culminating with September 15th with the, with the rematch uh, between Gennady Golovkin and Saul Canelo Alvarez. We know that Marlene Sparta, well, I don't know for a fact. David has, has alluded, and he may know better than I do, that in her contract, it states that she has to fight on these big cards or something to that to that fact. So I don't know if Esparza is going to be on that Saul Canelo card, uh, but we'll see. And, and obviously, what better for 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 that card is that mega fight 
between Esparza and Estrada, although I've said it here on the show before, that I'd rather have that show like at the Velasco Theater or something like that than buried in the undercard of that Vegas fight card where they're going to end up fighting in front of two or 300 people, David. Yeah, I understand what you're talking about. If they could have it like a third bout uh, or the second bout near the main event, that would be great. Or but even in uh, second. Or even in Indio, California. The only re- the only way, and I don't think they would do this, but the only way that I think it would make a good idea to do it and the uh, undercard of Gennady Golovkin and Saul Canelo Alvarez is that if it's for a title fight, it's for it's a ten rounder for some kind of title, and it's the main event of the untelevised undercard. Basically, what that means is that it's the last fight before HBO pay-per-view goes live. Um, so if that would if they would make it into that fight, I, I would I, I think it would make sense. But if it's just buried like any other of the of the uh, Marlene Esparza fights that have been on Canelo cards, which I've been well, when Canelo fought Julio Cesar Chavez Jr. I went there early. I went to the arena early to watch Marlene Esparza fight, and I think she was the first fight on the card. And there was me, the usher, the guy selling cokes, and maybe three or four other people, David included, I think, that were in the house at the at the T-Mobile <laughs> arena watching that fight. Yeah, yeah you're right. You're right. Shame. So I, it, it would be a shame that it would be a shame that the fight against Yanis Estrada was in that position. I don't think Golden Boy would do that. I think Golden Boy is a little bit smarter than that, and uh, they would yeah. gonna give it a better a better venue. Now on Saturday, July 21st, on the undercard of that uh, masterful performance by Alexander Usyk to become the undefeated and undisputed cruiserweight champion, we had. On my list, the number one fighter in the world, not on Mr. David Avila's pound-for-pound list, and we're going to get to that a little bit later on the show. Cecilia Breakhouse defending her IBF, IBO, WBA, WBC, WBO, five world titles against hometown favorite Ina Sakadavzoskaya in a 10-rounder at welterweight. The scores were dominating 98-92 two times in 97-93, and we wouldn't be... We wouldn't expect anything less from Ms. Breakhouse winning this fight in such a matter such that even though Ina Sakadarskaya was undefeated, she was really not a player in the world stage. And now we're just waiting to see if Breakhouse is either going to give a rematch to Callie Reese, who wants the rematch, if she's ever going to face Layla MacArthur as the number one mandatory to the IBF, or the third choice, which I don't think is the best choice, but it's the third choice, in this scenario, is Breakhouse finally facing off against Cyborg in a in a in a repeat of MMA against boxing that we saw last year between Mayweather and uh, Conor McGregor? David, what are your thoughts about the fight, and what are your thoughts about what's next for Breakhouse? Well, I thought Cecilia looked uh, fantastic against uh, Ina. Ina was a tall girl, very very tall, uh, you know, standard European style. Uh, jab or jab and move and one two and uh, Cecilia just broke her down. I mean, she broke her down. That right hand came like a like a missile, and she couldn't miss with that right hand. I mean, she was connecting round after round after round. By the fifth round, Ina had had it. You could tell she was just eating punches, and uh, yeah. and it wasn't like uh, Breakers went out of control. She was very deliberate very calculating, and right on point. That was the best I've seen her. I mean, if you had not seen, if you thought you saw the the, the Cecilia Breakus and the Kelly Reese fight was completely different from this fight. And I always tell people, it's that European style. It's so easy to figure it out. They're just so one-two, one-two. And even Cecilia has a, a little bit of that one-two, one-two. She rarely throws left hooks. That's mm-hmm. why I, I have Cecilia as number one. She doesn't throw many left hooks, and I don't think she knows how to throw them. But she's she's murder with that right cross, though, or that overhand right. It's just a fantastic punch. And and I think that, and I agree with you. You know, she does have European style. Obviously, she's Colombian by birth, but grew up in Norway, and um and and trained over there. But maybe. 
she has been training um, someone in the United States, or she has flown her United States trainer, Jonathan Banks, to Europe mm-hmm. to help her train. So maybe we, oh, I don't know if she, maybe, I don't know if you could teach old dogs new tricks, and, and she's been in the game for such a long time. Obviously, her record proves it, and her and her achievements prove it. But, you know, you could always add a little, a one or two more wrinkles into your game, and hopefully Jonathan yeah. Banks helps her develop that, especially if, if, if in this later stage of her career she wants to challenge herself and move up to, let's say, 154 pounds, where she might not have an advantage in size, and she's going to have to incorporate other things into her style to make up for that, she's going to need it. Mm-hmm. Because what we saw against Callie Reese is that although Callie Reese weighed in at 147 pounds, she might have been the bigger woman in that ring because she had fought up high as 160, as you mentioned it, or a little bit higher when she fought Maricela Cornejo and other fights. So so if uh, if Breakhouse is going to move up to 154, I doubt she goes up to 160, but 154 or maybe even a catch weight uh, right under mm-hmm. to face some of these women like you know, like Anna Gabriels or or Clarissa Shields or even even or even a, a, a Christina Hammer, she might have to add a couple more things to her to make up for that disadvantage in size. Um, so we'll see what's next for her, and we'll see if it's one of those three choices that we we put out there. You're listening to the Two Minute Round, your hooks and jabs look at the female fight world number 49 here on Block Talk Radio, and hopefully we're waiting for a very exclusive phone call from Ms. Amadis Damengro Quintana of San Diego, who is coming off a big third round knockout uh, over Luis Elena Martinez to capture the WBC Intercontinental 105 pound title. And uh, she was scheduled to call in, but she ran into a couple of things and she said she was gonna try to break away and let's see if she ends up calling us. But we're gonna move on to uh, more results. Same night on Saturday, July 21st from the Foxwood Resort in Mashantucket, Connecticut, DeBella Entertainment, who Mr. DeBella and myself uh, tabbed as a promoter of the year for last year, gave us uh, Shelly Vincent scoring a majority decision in an eight-rounder against Calista Silgado, who has fought everybody up there in the Northeast in an eight-rounder at 130 pounds. Scores were 76-74 two times and 76-76 um, obviously, an even fight that I mean, even scorecard that is given as the majority decision. These fights were not televised. Shelly Vincent still plodding along. It seems like I've seen some rumors, David, and I'm sure you've seen them too on social media where Heather Hardy supposedly is to have a big announcement. Um, Shelly Vincent has uh alluded to something big coming up. So, could it be that uh that rematch that we've been waiting for between them? Uh, you know, I, I wouldn't be surprised. I think that's the announcement. Hopefully it is. I I know that you want to see that, and I really do too. I would love to see that rematch. I thought the first one was a bomb burger, and they were evenly matched. Now, I would imagine that the, the Bella and his connection with Al Heyman that they would put it on on a major card like they've done with Amanda Serrano, where they where they have Amanda Serrano help sell tickets for these pretty large cards that they've been putting on um, uh, at the Brooklyn Barclays Center. And those cards, usually the main event and a couple more fighters, are broadcast live on on uh, on Showtime. Uh, Amanda Serrano's fight against Jasmine Rivas was also broadcast on Showtime Extreme. So. I'm trying to think just off the top of my head without actually going in there and looking for it. What's the next major card at the Barclays Center? When is uh, Danny Garcia against Sean Porter? Uh, I think that's September 8th. So if, 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 that, if that is a big announcement, September 8th, and they put that card on Barclays Center, and they put that fight in that card, and somehow they could slap it on Showtime Extreme or even on the show, on the Showtime YouTube channel, which we've done in the past, I'm happy with that. And I think it's a good call for Lou Bella because if there's one thing about Shelly Vincent and Heather Hardy is that they're big, big ticket sellers in that part of the country. Yeah, absolutely. Big. And they proved it in that first fight they had because they that was in Coney Island, 
and it was practically sold out when it was broadcast live on NBC uh, Sports. Yeah, there a lot of and not people were there. A lot of boxing celebrities. Uh, I was pretty impressed by the people that showed up for for the fight, and uh, it turned out to be the fight that you know we hoped for. Also, this past Saturday from Tijuana, Baja California, Amaris Quintana, like we mentioned, stopped Luis Elena Martinez in a scheduled eight-rounder to capture the WBC Intercontinental 105-pound title. So that should uh, put her in the top 10 of the WBC's list at 105, even though I believe she was already on there. But now she has the Intercontinental title to prove it. And lastly, from the FedEx Forum in Memphis, Tennessee, we finally had the return of former multi-time champion Ava Knight scoring the unanimous decision over Lisa Daniels, late late sub-Lisa Daniels, because on our last show, which was two weeks ago, we announced the Ava Knight fight like we've done every one of their supposedly return fights. Um, and they didn't have an opponent listed, but they did find an opponent in Lisa Daniels. And Ava Knight scored a six-round unanimous decision with scores of 60 to 53 three times. And with the win, she captured the vacant American Boxing Federation, whatever that is, USA Bantamweight title. What worries me about this whole thing, David, about Ava Knight and, and fighting after a couple of years and fighting, a, I mean, I never heard of her, Lisa Daniels, a late sub in a six-rounder, is that she, did, she went the distance. You know, Ava Knight, if there's one thing we know about Ava Knight before her, besides her being fast and skillful fighter and tough, she's a knockout artist. And here we have her going the distance against a not-known fighter in a in a six-rounder, a late sub-fighter at that, and she wasn't able to stop her inside six rounds. So I understand ring rust after two years and everything, but one thing that they say that never goes from a fighter is the power. Yeah, well, yeah, it just seems to be ring rust, like you said. Um, Ava is a top-tier uh, fighter, that's for sure. Yeah, and we'll see if she ends up staying at Bantamweight um, or she or she ends up moving down to 115 pounds, where I think it's more of a natural uh, weight for her. Obviously, she has fought as low as 108 and 112, but at this juncture of her career. I think she's over 30 years old. I don't think she's going to be able to make those weight classes anymore, but uh, maybe she goes down to 115, or even if she stays at 118, I think that's good enough, yeah. and and I think there's some she's good fights to be fun. made there. Yeah, I think there's some good fights to be made there at 118. So that has, we have reached the end of our uh, um, of our fight review as we wait to see if hopefully Ms. Amaris Quintana gives us a call and we're able to talk to her live here on the show on the two-minute round. Your hooks and jabs look at the female boxing world number 49, but we understand that she can't make it because she did have some things going on last minute. But before we move on to what's coming up in the next couple of shows that we, I mean, next couple of weeks that we will be discussing on our next show on August 9th, where I'm sure the whole the whole panel is going to be here, Mr. David Avila, myself, Felipe Leon, and our third co-host, Tara Zayo. I wanted to talk to David real quick about his list that he just put out for the prizefighters.com, an all-female boxing website where Mr. David Avila, myself, and even Tara Zayo write for. And uh, and it kind of mirrors to a certain extent the the – pound for pound list that was put out by the boxing writers association of America, which Mr. David Avila also is a panelist for the female boxing side, along with uh, long running, uh, pre- what would you call Sue, Sue T.O. Fox, uh, a former fighter, but just a big promoter of female boxing. She does the boxing, oh, uh, female boxing. Yeah, female boxing hall of fame. Yeah, the heart and soul of female boxing, WBAN.com. Big shout out to Sue Fox, great friend of of the show, and Mr. David Lavila and myself. And also Thomas Gervasi, who is a writer for Golden Boy. uh, I'm sorry, (laughs) slip slip of the tongue there, David. Ring Magazine. Um, (laughs) So that's the panel for the BWAA, but David obviously wrote this. uh, top 10 uh, 
pound for pound list for the prizefighters.com. And I'm not going to go through the whole list. I just want to go with the top five, which he has Miss Miss Layla MacArthur as number one, Amanda Serrano, number two, Cecilia Breakhouse, number three, Clarissa Shields, number four, and Japanese fighter Naoko Fuyoka as number five. Um, this obviously um, is different than other female pound for pound lists. One with the, with Cecilia Breakhouse is usually number one on all the other lists. And Amanda Serrano, she, she went, I'll look it up even. Um, she's coming back. She's coming back to boxing. She's alluded to that. And she has stated that she's going to do that in her Twitter and in her other social media accounts. But she has not fought in boxing since, I'm going to look it up real quick, but she did make an incursion into the MMA, which she fought to a draw. But uh, let's see how long she has not fought in boxing. She fought in March. It was in March. What was last fight? Amanda Serrano. Uh, she last fought in no David November of 2017 was her last fight wow. inside a boxing ring and not a cage. So, but the one thing that David's oh. list and the BWAZ's list is the same in is that there's no inclusion of the WBA and IBF 135-pound champion, Katie Taylor, which I personally would have in my top five female pound-for-pound list. So without touching the fact that you have Layla McCarthy and you've given your take on that, you having Layla McCarthy mm-hmm. as number one and not Cecilia Breakhouse, and in our mm-hmm. last show that you were here, not the last show that we have, but the last show you were here, which was about a month ago, we had a little bit of discussion when the BWAA came out and Katie Taylor's non-inclusion. And the reason that you gave is because in your mind, in your opinion, and the opinion of Sue Fox and Thomas Gervasi, perhaps because they were on that BWAA list, is that she has not fought of a, a good enough name, even though she's won two world titles at 135 pounds, that she has not fought a good enough name to be included on this list. So my question to you, David, is now that well, – go, let me just ask the question, then you could go into your uh, answer, and yeah. you could add on yeah. anything you want. With the announcement is her next fight after Kimberly O'Connor is against Cindy Serrano defending her two world titles. If she ends up beating Cindy Serrano, does she get on the list for you? Uh, no, because Cindy is a featherweight. Mm. And she's not a big featherweight. She's, you know, she's a featherweight. Now, if she was fighting Amanda Serrano, that'd be a different story, because then it's, it's, it's more of an even fight. So far, Katie Taylor has fought girls that were five to one underdogs, six to one underdogs, ten to one underdogs. She hasn't fought anybody that was at least a two to one underdog. I mean, two to one is a good, you know, solid, competitive fight. But she hasn't fought anybody less than a five to one underdog, and not. I don't go by name. I mean, I I know who these fighters are. I don't have to recognize their name. I just know who they are. And all these fighters she's fought, even the Argentine girls, they were not two to one, uh, you know, underdogs. They weren't competitive. They were. They if any odds maker was giving a a a, a line on the fight. Nobody was better than a five to one underdog. They were all they were all gonna lose from the get go. There there was no mm. chance that they were gonna win. And that's why she's not number one. That's why she's not in the top twelve pound for pound. And she fights anybody who's a, a live dog as they say, then she gets on the list. But she hasn't but had besides, a double. She hasn't but besides she hasn't but had see anything. that I to a certain extent, and I agree with you, I agree with what you're saying, but to a certain extent, I think you're punishing her for being so good. And let me explain why. Because besides besides Amanda Serrano at 135 pounds, and besides Delphine Pursuit, that you're not going to get her out of Belgium for, I don't know, even if, I mean, I don't mean no offense, but even if Jesus Christ himself knocked on her door and asked her to fight Katie Taylor, she might still not fight Katie Taylor outside of Belgium or even inside of Belgium. I don't think there's anybody in the top 10 or top 20 in 135 pounds that you could that you could um, give odds on better than two to 
better than three to one or four to one. I mean, number one is Delphine Pursun, according to BoxRec. Number two is Katie Taylor. Number three is Chantel Cameron. Number four is Jessica McCaskill, who she already beat. Number five is Victoria Noelia Bustos, who she already beat. And that's the top mm-hmm. five. Under the, what, Raoma, Ramona Cueni, number seven. Any of those women there... Except for the the exception of Delphine Pursun, you're not gonna rank them. You're not gonna give them better odds than four to one, five to one. That's not Katie Taylor's well, fault. There's girls that are also featherweights that go up easily. Well, Cindy Serrano. Cindy, Cindy Cindy is a smaller featherweight, but there's girls like Jelena Mirjinovic, slight lightweight, easily she could fight her. There's Layla McCardo, who's really a lightweight fighting at welterweight. She could fight her easily, and, and later would take that fight in a heartbeat. There's girls like that. She, they would fight you. They would fight Katie. Believe me, now, they would fight her. Let's go down to she 130. Chevelle Holbeck would fight her. That yeah, would be a, better, I, a really tough fight. Well, Chevelle Holbeck, is, who is supposedly coming back, is about, I think she's 47, 57, something years old. So I don't expect she's her to fight seven. Katie Taylor in a fight. In her fight, first fight back. Now let's go back. Let's go down to 130 and see who we have at 130 that could go up to 135. And let's see if we can mm-hmm. get better odds than three or one, four to one. We have Maiva Hamadouche, who I think will be a good fight. That's a good fight. She's yeah. a tough fighter, 18 and one. She's ranked number yeah. one by BoxRec at 130. Eva Wanstrom, number two, undefeated, but yeah. you know. That, that, I don't know if she's better than a three to one, four to one favorite. We have yeah. Melissa Saintville. We have Hyun Min Chow, we have Ewa Brodnika, and we have Shelly Vincent at number six. So I, I I see what you're saying. I, I see your points. I just think that, in my opinion, unfairly, Katie Taylor is being punished for being that good that nobody can fight her with those odds. Now, Amanda Serrano, I'm sure she'll take the fight with the heartbeat, but she's but, – I don't know what they're offering money-wise to Cindy Serrano to take that fight. Maybe maybe Jordan, who's a very smart businessman, a very smart manager for both Amanda and Cindy Serrano, maybe he's touching the – he's putting his big toe in the water and seeing how that fight could go down with Cindy Serrano before they can make something with Amanda Serrano. Layla MacArthur, I think well, she's looking for a bigger fish. Say again? It wasn't up to them. It was up to Katie Taylor. Yeah. Let, I'm, okay. I shouldn't say Katie Taylor. It was up to her people. Eddie Hearn, yeah. Um, uh, Layla MacArthur, I mean, it looks like she's looking for bigger fish to fry. I don't know if they offered her the fight against Katie Taylor. Jelena Maranovic, I would find it very, very hard to believe that she would go up to 135 at this point of her career. She and, had the and, title. She had the title before. Yeah, but that was years ago. I mean, she's stayed at 126 for the better part of 10 years. It's a very easy way to make for her. Yeah, but but the thing is, is that you take two to tango, and just because we think that they could go up there and give her a fight, doesn't mean that those fighters actually want to go up or down to give her that fight, and that's and that's my thing, you know. So, I, 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 it's all about money. I, it's all about money, and Katie Taylor comes with a lot of money. All of those girls will take that fight in a heartbeat. All of them mm-hmm. that I mentioned, they would take yeah. it in a heartbeat. She comes with a lot of money. That's what they're after. That's the name of the game. It's called prize fighting, not called amateur free fights uh, because I'm the best and you're the best. No, it's called prize fighting. They're fighting for money. You offer the money, they will take the fight, all of those girls. Well, I just want to go on the record here. It's not the first time that I would have Katie Taylor in my top five. And, uh, and well, we'll see. We'll see what happens. Let's see what happens with Kimberly O'Connor. Let's see what happens with Cindy Serrano. Maybe Cindy Serrano gives her good enough of a fight that people start seeing some, some you know, holes in, in Katie Taylor's game, and they say, maybe I could take advantage of those holes. Maybe Cindy Serrano couldn't take advantage of them because of the size difference, but maybe other women can say, I could take advantage of those holes and I can go after her because Cindy Serrano is going to be quite possibly on paper the most skilled, most talented fighter that Katie Taylor has faced as a professional. I, I agree. I think Cindy is the best fighter she's going to face so far. Okay. So she's much smaller. We're still waiting for Ms. Maris Quintana, but it looks like it's going to be tough for her to call in. But 
we'll, we'll try to have her on our next show, which is August 9th, here on Block Talk Radio, forward slash the two-minute round. The two-minute round, your hooks and jabs look at the female boxing world with Mr. David Avila and myself, Felipe Leon. And unfortunately, our third co-host, Tara Zayo, cannot be with us, but she will be with us, hopefully, on our next show, August 9th. So we're going to move on. David, you weren't here our la- on yeah. our last show, so before we move on to our upcoming calendar, I want to get – I'm sure you're excited over it, but maybe you got a little bit of different insight on the proposed fight card on August 11th where in Mexico City where we're going to see uh, uh, Mariana La Barbie Juarez defending her 118-pound WBC title against a Japanese fighter. And on the undercard of semi-main event, or co-main event, better said, we're going to have the return of Jackie Nava against Adley Sanchez, hopefully in a build-up to a face-off between Juarez and Nava. What are your thoughts on the August 11th fight and obviously on that fight between Juarez and Nava if it happens? Oh, I'm very excited about that fight, but it makes sense that they do this do this uh, fight card first where they – because Jackie Nava's been out of the game for a while, so she needs to shake off some rust or else it wouldn't be fair at all because uh, Mariano's been busy. But, uh, yeah, it's, it's good. It's a good prelude. It's it's good to, to have this uh, basically a wake-up call for everybody that these girls are going to be fighting each other soon. Um I like Mariana. I think uh, she's really hitting her stride again. And uh, it's going to be tough for Jackie Nava. And this mm. fight will give her an opportunity to see what she needs. Mm. That's interesting. I don't know. I think we'll see. I think Jackie Nava has the upper hand, even though she hasn't come off. She She's a very – I mean, not that Mariana Juarez isn't, but – Jackie Nava is a very disciplined fighter. She's and 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 Mariana is not going to have the advantage of training in Mexico City and in the in the altitude that Mexico City gives you because Jackie Nava, as we speak, is in the mountains of Mexico City getting ready for that fight. So when she comes down to Mexico City, she's actually going to be. Uh, uh, coming down from the mountains to from a higher altitude to a lower altitude in Mexico City. And Mariana, I, I'm sure she's training. I'm not sure she's in the mountains. I'm not sure she has gone up to the mountains, but she is training in Mexico City. So, so that's one thing that Jackie Nava is doing is that she didn't take this fight card lately, lightly, and she's actually doing her training in Mexico City. And I'm sure she would do the same if that fight with Mariana Juarez is finalized. Yeah, it's a great fight. I mean, it's a great matchup. Can't wait to see that one. I wish I could see it in person. I want to. I mean, I honestly thought, David. I I honestly considered uh, flying to Mexico City. The Arena Mexico is a beautiful arena in 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 Mexico City, and I actually considered flying to to see this fight card on August 11th. But then I thought, well, why would I go to this and not go to the main one? So I'm gonna actually wait. And I'm going to try to make the, the fight between Juarez and Nava when it gets done. I'm sure it's going to be in Mexico City. I would doubt that that uh, Mariana Juarez will give a hometown advantage and come down to Tijuana. Or they might go to a neutral city, Guadalajara, Monterrey, Cancun, uh, one of those other cities, and, and fight in a neutral, in a neutral ground. Um, but Jackie Nava didn't do that against Ana Maria Torres. I, she recognized that Ana Maria Torres was the bigger name between the two, and they fought. I think they both those two fights were in Mexico City where Ana Maria Torres was a native of and, and Jackie just went there and, and fought there anyways. But I'm gonna I'm gonna check that. Um and I'm sure that Jackie Nava, even though she has grown since those two fights as far as her popularity, she's not as popular as Mariana Juarez in Mexico. So I'm sure, especially now that she's been out of the uh the fight game for a while. So actually no, the first one fight was in Boca del Rio, which I think is in one fight was in Tuxla Gutierrez Chapas, and the other fight was in Veracruz. So actually, Ana Maria Torres did not have hometown home uh, home court advantage for neither one of those fights against Jackie Nava. So let's see if Jackie Nava can negotiate that um, uh, for that fight against Mariana Juarez. Yeah, it's it's um, it's gonna be it's gonna make money. That's for sure. 
That's true. So now we move on to our upcoming calendar, which we'll be discussing on our next show, August 9th, here on the Hooks and Jacks. Look at the female fight world, two-minute round. And I think that Amos Quintana is not going to be able to reach us here. So hopefully we can set it up to have her on our next show on August 9th so she can talk to us about her career and what she's hoping to do in the rest of 2018. But on Saturday, July 28th, from the Auditorio Municipal in Tijuana, Mexico, on the Sanford card, the return of former Mexican Olympic team member, Zulem Urbina, who's coming up a pretty gruesome cut over her left eye in her last fight, and that's why she hasn't fought in quite a while. She's uh, scheduled to face Leslie Rodriguez in a six-rounder at 112 pounds. From the O2 Arena in London, England, my top five pound-for-pound fighter, Katie Taylor, will be defending her WBA and IBF uh, titles against Kimberly O'Connor in a scheduled 10-rounder at 135 pounds. And then from there, she will be moving on to facing Cindy Serrano in September. I believe that fight is scheduled for. Also this Saturday night at the Staples Center in Los Angeles, California, Lina Lincona will be facing Judith Hackbold in a four-rounder. Lina Lincona is the younger sister of a local fighter named Carlos Licona, El Mexicanito, and now she's making some waves in L.A. This is her second fight in a row at the Staples Center, and only her second fight as a as a professional fighter. I believe she has some kind of an amateur pedigree, David, so we'll try to get a contact with her and find out more about her. Uh, from the Davis Arena in Louisville, Kentucky, Real, Real Deal Sports and Entertainment, the promotional company of none other than Evander Real Deal Holyfield, gives us his female fighter under his banner, uh, 135, 130-pounder Alicia Baumgartner, who we've actually had on our face-to-face segment on the two-minute round. You could go on our on our um, archives and listen to the interview there. She'll be facing Christina Linardatu in a scheduled eight-rounder. On Sunday, David, July 29th from Okinawa, Japan, Tenkei Tsunami will face Filipino Gretchen Abanel, where she was going to be defending her WBO 108-pound title in a scheduled 10-rounder. On Saturday, August 4th, from San Juan, Argentina, Maria Cecilia Roman will face Carolina Raquel Duer in a 10-rounder for the IBF 122-pound title, whereas Leona... What's that? That's a, that's a rematch. That's a rematch. And Raquel Duer, I follow her on social media. She hasn't mentioned anything about this fight, and it is in a couple of weeks, so let's see if it actually goes down, because I follow her on social media, and I haven't seen her mention anything, post a poster or anything of that nature. So let's see if it ends up going down. I think she trains out of Miami. But also on the, on that card in Argentina, Leona, Leonela Paola Judica will defend her flyweight IBF title against Jarines Altuve in a scheduled 10 rounder, also from the IBF. And on that Saturday, August 4th, from Wales in the United Kingdom, Matchroom Boxing gives us Natasha Jones against Vivian Obenoff uh, for the WBA International 130-pound title. That's a scheduled 10-rounder. And on August 4th as well, Alisa Napoleon defends her WBA 168-pound against Hannah, Anna Rankin in a scheduled 10-rounder. David, do you know anything about this Anna Rankin? I've been hearing some things about her, but do you know anything? Have you seen her fight? What do you think about this? She fights uh, Scotland. She's uh-huh. a Scottish girl. What do you think yeah, her chances she, are against Napoleon? Uh, that's actually not a bad fight. I mean, Napoleon is a, is a skilled fighter and big, but Hannah Rankin she has some uh, she has some uh, amateur background. If I'm thinking of the right Hannah Rankin, but well, she's I, only she's out of Scotland. She's only five and one. She is coming out of Scotland, David. Five one one knockout. Um, she lost against uh, Joanna Ekeda, uh, who was 1-0 in a split decision. And she's never really fought anybody with the name. She, her last fight mm-hmm. is coming off of being an undefeated fighter in Sana Turunen. And now she's stepping up to fighting 9-1, 168-pound champion, Alisa Napoleon. So let's see what we get there on August 4th from the Nassau Coliseum in Uniondale, New York. And hopefully... DeBella finds a way of broadcasting this fight somehow, some way on Facebook, on YouTube, anything to be able to get this fight to us. Service. Here's a pay-per-view okay. streaming service. 
All right. Well, let's see oh, if we can get those details. Mars. Okay, perfect. Well, it's going to be, uh, we could post it on our website August 9th because of this fight on, uh, on Saturday, August 4th. Our next show is on August 9th. So at least we'll be able to give you the result here. And lastly, one night before our next show on Wednesday, August 8th, I'm sure David's going to be in the house from the Avalon in Hollywood, California. Oh, yeah. Tom Loeffler's 360 promotions gives us Elvina White against Jasmine Clarkson in a four-rounder, 130 pounds. Jasmine Clarkson is a veteran fighter. She's fought Katie Taylor. She's fought other named fighters. I think she fought uh, Michaela Mayer as well. Um, and now she's going to be trying to give uh, Elvina White, who we've also seen fight before. Is she signed to uh, to uh, she signed yes. to 360, right? Yes, she is. Yeah. So, she's one of uh, two. She's her and uh, uh, Louisa Hawkins. Yeah. yeah. Um, so let's see. Uh, Elvina White, last time we saw her, it was at the Avalon where she fought Mexican Annabelle Pabello, uh, which was a tough fight for her. Um, she ended up winning a United Decision. In her first pro fight, she went against Tammy Franks, who she also beat by United Decision. But Jasmine Clarkson is going to be by far her most experienced opponent to date. Jasmine Clarkson is four. And 11, she's only been stopped once, and it was by it was by uh, Katie Taylor, and another is the only fighter that's actually stopped Jasmine Clarkson in the past. But Jasmine Clarkson has faced Jennifer Salinas, she faced uh, Ebony Jones, she faced Kimberly Connor, not Kimberly O'Connor, but Kimberly Connor. Um, and she's faced Selena Barrios, who just stopped. Um, what's the name? Aida. Aida Sari Baldenova. Yeah, so Selena Barrios just stopped her. She wasn't able to stop Jasmine Clarkson, and now Elvina White is gonna look to get a win against the the experienced southpaw from Texas, Jasmine Clarkson, and that is on Wednesday, August eighth, at the Avalon in Hollywood, California. Mr. David Avila, and I'm sure Tara Zayo is gonna be in the house. Hopefully, we can get some audio with Ovina after her fight. So, our next show is scheduled for August 8th. Unfortunately, we cannot get Amaris Quintana. Some things came up for her. So, David, why don't you give us your last thoughts? Well, I know that uh, uh, Amanda Serrano is also talking about fighting for a 140 uh, super lightweight title. Um, she hasn't made an announcement, but she expects to fight in August. And uh, hopefully that comes out. And then right after that, her sister, Sydney, will be fighting. And that will be against uh, Katie Taylor. There you have it. So a little bit more of some news there. We'll have all the news for you on August 9th on our next edition of the Two Minute Round. It will be our 50th edition with Mr. David Avila, myself, Felipe Leon, and with our third co-host, Tara Zaya, with us. And with that, we bid you good night. And now, your show, Two Minute Rounds. Thank God. So this is what we're going to do. Reviews. And gives it a percentage. We're going to like go and get those clothes in there. Travels of a tribe called Quest, which just, uh, um, I think it was...